0: Right, the podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman, you can call me
1: H. And I'm Ryan Quintel, you can call me Q. Q, what have you been uh, playing lately? Um, believe it or not, I've gone back in time to revisit Gears of War 5. I hadn't played... Uh, I had played and beaten Gears of War 4, Um, mm-hmm. enjoyed my time with it generally. It wasn't like this, you know, masterpiece, but it was a very good game. And, uh... I got maybe one act into Gears 5, somehow fell off. Returned to it and I've I've just recently hit, I don't know if you played Gears 5, but some of the more did, yeah. openy worldy sections right. with the skiff and that's been kind of cool, you know. I do want to catch up, know where that story's at and also have a little bit of a performance benchmark to see uh what my series X will be capable of this November.
0: So you're uh, you're getting your single player time in now. I mean, are you going to replay the campaign on Series X? If I were you, I'd probably wait for the better system, although it does run and look great on the One X technology already.
1: Yeah, I'm playing on the One X now. I actually <laughs> I keep wondering if I even need the Series X, but I think when I get my Series X, I will probably... There's so many games, like Wasteland 3 is one that even on the One X, I can feel it like struggling uh to push through which is sad Mm. because i mean these games run great on pc so i'm i'm hoping to dive back into wasteland 3 uh to go through gears tactics on console with the series x and maybe even uh, dip back into forza horizon if that's running at 60 frames a second that could be a real sight to behold i've played some uh high
0: frame rate, uh, Forza on my PC.
1: You got that good, good graphics. Yeah, very
0: cool. I mean, it's, game runs very well. It's, uh, I mean, it, the real nice thing about, Sir, um, Series X is, uh, just getting those, uh, getting those load screens out of there. Cause in Forza, those load screens can be pretty monumental.
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious. Heck yeah. Yeah. The SSD can do wonders. So I'm, um, I'm looking forward to, to all of that. I, I wonder if, uh, Gosh, Monster Hunter is a is the perfect example of a game. Monster Hunter World. Mm-hmm. I much prefer to play it on my couch on a console, but love, love, love the the SSD um, and the frame rate capability of the PC. So if we can get more of these things to merge, even if it's you know just quality of life stuff that gets better with these things, yeah. it's going to be a, a, a great great year, few years of gaming
0: I, I think well let's get into some video game ideas then um i'm going to be going first today uh, over the weekend for canon rinse one of our issues that we're recording later this month i've been playing um actually i just finished um, over the weekend i finished i have no mouth and i must scream which is you're kidding yeah, i mean it's <laughs> it's it's a game uh Oh, I wish I knew. It's not one that I would have chosen for myself in my free time. And looking back on my experience, uh, the hypothetical me who would not have
1: chosen it made the correct choice. <laughs> I wonder if somewhere out there on the internet, I uh, i think I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream is the first game I ever attempted to stream on Twitch. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, just because I didn't know anything about the game other than the name of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Then I started playing it, and of course it's kind of, it like deals with some Nazi Germany themes, does it not, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken?
0: Yeah, yeah, one of the characters, you, you can choose from five characters, and you do end up playing through all of their stories, but you can play through them in any order, and one of them is, you know, in a Nazi concentration camp, uh, yeah. so that's, that's pretty intense. But each character's story is pretty dour and depressing, but sometimes they're a little bit more abstract, sometimes they're a little bit more kind of grounded down to earth. It's a, it's an interesting title and one that like, you know, there's definitely stuff to learn from. It's just not like a fun gameplay experience necessarily. And then it's one of those point and click adventure games where you can end up kind of inadvertently missing something early in the game that is going to cheat you out of a better ending late in the game. So it's, you just got to be prepared or follow a walkthrough or something.
1: Yeah. I was, remember, I, I only vaguely remember thinking to myself this, uh, This narrative probably can't have its checks cached by this gameplay uh, that that they're attempting. So, um, yeah, I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream, still easily one of the better video game titles uh, that has ever existed. It's It's
0: based on the uh, title of the short story that it's based on by Harlan Ellison, who also does a voice for the game,
1: which is pretty cool. Gosh, uh, so I'll be listening to that episode. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Okay, cool. Well, that should be out probably just in time for Halloween, maybe a week after. Um, depending on if you're on the Patreon or the free feed of Canon Um, But anyways, uh, so yeah, I've been playing through that game based on a short story, a piece of kind of classic sci-fi literature, and it kind of got me thinking about a point-and-click adventure game in which you take characters and items from pieces of uh, kind of literary history and use them to progress through other literary classics so perhaps you are given you know maybe a handful of stories you know Huckleberry Finn or The Odyssey or you know all these different uh, kind of literary classics Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde you can take the characters you can take items almost like those uh, I want to say those kind of randomized speed runs where they connect Super Metroid and Legend of Zelda Link to the Past together and you can gain the other game's items but like I would want it to be It's a function kind of like a Lego game where there's kind of like a set number of actions that each item can perform, like a certain number of functions that they can fulfill. And so you could, uh, you could like literally take you know, a beaker of test tube fluid from Dr. Frankenstein's lab into Little Women and perhaps it could serve some sort of a purpose there that is kind of like a, you know, one in 16 purposes need to be served and this is one of the items that can fulfill it. So it's, uh, you know, kind of a fun way to let characters kind of hop across narratives and you can even add kind of like DLC that adds entirely new books to the mix so you know now all of a sudden you have uh, the importance of being earnest DLC where you can either play through that story entirely straight the way that uh, Oscar Wilde intended it or you can you know cross over into other pieces of literary history and uh, you take them on a a journey around the world in 80 days and then the, the stories and the characters would kind of adapt to the new characters they're being introduced to maybe you can resolve These stories in ways that the original stories didn't resolve. So, really, I'm wanting to kind of leave it uh, open ended and
1: um, see where we can go from there. This actually, as you described it, started reminding me of the very cheesy 90s movie classic. I know where you're going with this. Okay, so go ahead. What, what am I thinking? The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. No, I'm, I'm no? okay. Somehow, we, this is great. Good, I'll surprise you. Okay. It's so much worse than that. Uh, uh, oh, <laughs> we'll see. Last action hero. With Arnold okay, Schwarzenegger.
0: I, I respect that, but like, okay. All right. I see where you're coming from. Well, the
1: the reason why- And I should have
0: known you don't, you refuse to watch any movies that don't feature Art Carney in them. So <laughs> that should have been my tip off.
1: Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, thank you for that observation. I I, the reason why I was thinking about it is, right, the premise of that movie, the kid with the sort of magic movie ticket can walk mm-hmm. right into a movie screen. And I wonder if in your game- There's a layer of like pulling out of the book and into the library where you can potentially browse new (laughs) uh, sections or genres or, you know, you're in one story and it's giving you a suggestion, a hint of you might need something, you know, scary, ominous, whatever. And -hmm. then you find yourself in... Bram Stoker's Dracula or Nosferatu Mm -hmm. or something like that, which I actually said Nosferatu. I think they actually use Nosferatu in, uh, or something like that in, uh, last action hero. So yeah, I do like the idea of these sort of classic literature settings and even just like using them as time and narrative jumps potentially
0: whatever the kind of framing device looks like that connects these worlds worlds together. Uh, I just think it'd be fun to kind of have this, uh, to have the thought of like, you know, theoretically you should be able to complete the game. Like each character just stays in their own books and goes through the stories as they were intended. That could almost be kind of like a fun Sparknotes way of catching up with the story, you know? Um, because obviously they did in the stories that they were from, like they got from the beginning of the story to the end of the story, you know, not that everybody necessarily has a happy ending in every single book, but, uh, yeah. you know, you could, uh, you could watch the books play out the way that you want, or you can kind of inject that kind of creative element and say, you know, what if instead of the ghost of Christmas present, Scrooge
1: meets Dracula? <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking to, in the case of some books, uh, I'll, I'll go through some, right? Um, the Romeo and Juliet, like we all know the ending, or most of us know the ending of Romeo and Juliet. Uh, even I think people that consumed the DiCaprio version know the ending of Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Lord of the Flies, uh, Little Women might be a little bit less clear, Frankenstein for sure, Great Gatsby, what an ending there. I The... You could have these narratives where you are the reader, almost never-ending story-like, dropped into some of these stories, almost with a tease, a promise of, you could change the ending to these books. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can do it by exactly what you're saying, bringing in elements from each other. And you could almost imagine this as like, gosh, what if Ubisoft had a game that was formatted like that instead of just like historical tours, like going through historical literature tours, that would be really fun.
0: Maybe there are certain books that are more difficult to change, ones that are so rooted in like a core philosophy that you can almost feel like the author kind of pressing against you, you know, pushing against the the changes and the progress that you're trying to make. Uh, you know, like if you were trying to like inject new elements that contradict the philosophy of like Atlas Shrugged or something, like that is a book that is yeah. essentially propaganda for a very specific worldview. Like you could, you could bet that almost, uh, like, um, like the matrix, uh, you know, the, or, or inception even like the, uh, inhabitants
1: of that world
0: are going to be fighting you off at every, uh, every possibility.
1: Well, and I think one of the things you're onto there is that many sci-fi stories, uh, I think even including the time machine from Orson Wells, have that, Concept of if you push sorry, on that's H. Uh, G. Wells. Just I'm before sorry. we get emails, H. <laughs> G. Wells. Oh my God, I'm never gonna live that one down. H. <laughs> G. Wells. The concept of if you push on time, time is gonna push back. You know, time is yeah, yeah, uh, a river and it has momentum and that sort of thing. And I I like the idea of if you if you affect the world in a in a maybe a more dramatic way uh, that when you leave that particular story to go to another story and perhaps, you know, if we go full Kojima on the thing, depending on how long you are gone from that story, the, the world does its best to mm. self mend, you know, mm. they're like, okay, well this character was supposed to die. So we're going to, you know, we're going to give them a disease or something. <laughs> you know, We're going to, we're going to push uh, back into the predetermined, uh, destiny. And maybe of all your stories, you can really only change the outcome of one of the three or one of the four.
0: Interesting. So would the, so if you take a character out of a book and they were supposed to die in the other one, would they contract a disease and die in the new one? Or would the character you replace them with almost like a, uh, like a foreign exchange student, um, subjected to the kind of original fate of the original?
1: Well, that's a good question. Maybe what happens is another character kind of takes on the role that that character would have taken on. Right. So suddenly you have, you can successfully, uh, worm your way into Romeo and Juliet ending with just Romeo dying. But if you do so, um, you'll be unable to prevent Gatsby from getting in that car accident or whatever. I think you get into these sort of like multiple playthroughs, number one, but number two, the conversation it creates on the back end of. Hey y'all, I just, I just had in my playthrough, I had the captain live in the crash landing of Lord of the Flies. It's wild over here. Like things are, things are going in a very different direction. And if it's, I mean, obviously you'd have to be so smartly systemic with it, but I think it could be really fun.
0: Or if you think like, you know, maybe the, maybe the crew from, from Jaws could have really gotten the, um, could have really gotten Moby Dick, you know? And, maybe that changes the whole trajectory of that entire story.
1: Yeah. Or instead of, uh, instead of visiting his past, Scrooge gets trapped in it.
0: Yeah. I think there's a, there's a lot of fun things that we can do there. Um, if we talk about kind of transferring items as well, like what, uh, I guess, what, what would kind of like core functions could we give these items so that we can make them like somewhat interchangeable, make this kind of like a platform, like a, the, uh, example I want to refer back to is Lego Dimensions, where you buy individual characters as kind of like, um, physical minifigs that you can scan in using kind of like a, almost like an Amiibo scanner into the game. And then those characters each have like in regular Lego games have, a uh, you know, special powers and abilities that only they can do certain power sets that are kind of shared with certain other characters. So, you know, like the, um, main character from Jurassic world can cut through vines. And so if you ever see vines, then, you know, obviously he's going to be the one that you're going to call (laughs) upon to cut through them. What kind of like sets of abilities or uses could we give items that could be kind of cross transferable between games?
1: Well, I think what you could do is if you build out, God forbid, a literary universe that isn't based in comic books. uh, (laughs) If you build out this literary universe, you could classify characters the same way that most game design does, especially like fighting game design, where you're like, okay, characters have three, you know, maybe they're even as many as 10 different dimensions. And those dimensions are things like class, uh, time period. um, uh, You... Uh, maybe how, you know, some, a few traits on personality, you give them, uh, you know, savviness or skills. And if you map those to the different types of characters that exist, then, you know, surely somebody who is from the future has immediate, uh, you know, advantage potentially in the past because they just understand the way the world works in a more complicated way versus someone who, um, you know because they're from the past they might know like a homeopathic remedy or something and and be able to care for an issue in a different way
0: true kind of healing other types of uh abilities and powers anyways um we're out of time there let's go ahead and give that one a name how about a uh, how about god of lore
1: <laughs> yep that's hard to beat that one anything that was going to come out of my mouth is not as good as (laughs) all
0: right uh let's move on to your
1: idea what are you pitching today so i've been watching a lot of the um don't ask me why maybe it's the pandemic Uh, the very kind of crappy show gotham Mm -hmm. and as a batman fan gotham is a show entirely concerned about the sort of uh coming to gotham of jim gordon of the gc P.D. Gotham City Police Department. I think I'm saying that right. And uh, Jim, you know, starts as just a cop, a detective, all this stuff, and ends up scaling into, I imagine, by the end of the show, Commissioner Gordon. But one of the things that <laughs> this show makes abundantly clear is cops maybe have a bit of a short shelf life in Gotham. Many, many bad people are in Gotham. Many, many complicated things are going. I thought it would be kind of fun to. Have the superhero game where the superhero is either entirely in the background or does not exist yet, the years before the superhero arrives, and you're playing the cops of Gotham who are trying to uh, balance the factions that exist in the city. So uh, we'll say for for this pitch, there's maybe three factions or whatever, and one of them's the cops, and we can kind of. Uh, figure out or assign who those factions are and you introduce a nemesis-like system of these criminals that are kind of never-ending maybe if you push hard enough you end up exposing one of the big villains uh, in some of these branches but kind of an idea that it uh, a cop game where it is before the superhero arrives in Gotham before Batman gets there And you are trying to balance the criminal underworld and maintain it uh, in ways instead of uh, defeat it or overcome it, Crackdown style.
0: All right, starting the clock. So what do we mean balancing the criminal underworld? Like what scenario would we want there to still be criminals when there's kind of an opposite option for there to just not be criminals?
1: (laughs) Yeah, you would think so. I I think one thing that the show Gotham does well is first there's kind of this gangster Falcone. Falcone is in a situation where he seems like a bad guy, but, you know, they do so much stuff to systematically dismantle his power that they find out that he was really keeping the city, you know, in order in different ways. And this plays out differently depending on what uh, Batman lore you're looking at. But, uh, the idea is that what you don't actually want is to completely eliminate any one criminal element. You just sort of want to balance and maintain, or, or not maintain, but rather contain it in some way. Even the police, given too much power, maybe that grows the corruption of the department or something.
0: Interesting. Okay, so what type of game gameplay wise would you see this as kind of like a management type of game?
1: I think you could do management. I think you could also technically do almost a GTA five, uh, sort of speaking <laughs> okay. of GTA five, um, a GTA five, uh, sort of thing where you are a beat cop. Um, and even your own, Maybe you're expendable as well. Like you can only get so far, but uh, you have these officers that are, you know, taken down in the line of duty and you're, you just become another officer joining the force. So you're also kind of incentivized to kind of keep a character alive. So you're, you're disincentivized in some ways for going too big on, on your risks.
0: You know, one of the things that stands out about the Arkham city series um, is like it's so fun that like each villain kind of owns a part of the city and like really, you know, decks it out to their theme and all the goons are wearing their colors and there's, you know, the uh, penguin will have kind of ice everywhere in his portion of the city and poison ivy will have vines growing all over everything and it all kind of like definitely caters and suits that particular supervillain. Like it'd be neat if there were these visual indicators of kind of who you know, who's in power across the city. Uh, there was a, gosh, there was a, uh, like a superhero simulator game. I'm not remembering the name of it. It was kind of a comedic take, uh, back in the day on, um, would have been probably late eighties or early nineties, uh, back on the computer platforms. And, uh, you would basically oh. kind of manage a group of superheroes, and send them out on missions and it's Freedom Force, isn't it? Freedom Force. Maybe. Let me Google that and see if it looks familiar.
1: <laughs> I, Cause I have been thinking about Freedom Force for a long time and you got to, you got to kind of design your own little heroes and it almost ended up playing out like a mission structured Diablo or something.
0: Maybe. I think the, uh, looking at pictures of it, I think the game that I'm thinking of is even older than that. Um, but um, I, I don't have a name for it. Let me see if I come up with something. But uh, fair enough. You know this this could be kind of an interesting you know managing kind of these different you know heads of mafia families that maybe if they grow to a certain level of power then they turn into a supervillain with powers and everything. And then when you yeah. have one, it changes the whole balance. You know, it's almost kind of like the second phase of the game. You know, you failed in maintaining balance of human mafias. And so now there are kind of superhumans in the works as well.
1: I like, uh, I just like the title human mafias. That sounds like a a good, it almost actually sounds like a hip hop group instead of junior mafia. We got human mafia. That's cool. And I, I do like, I, the way that the cartoon and the comics and, and even the, the Batman movies have played with really stupid origin stories for some of the villains like, you know, in the Tim Burton um, original 1980s Batman, like the, the Joker is kind of just a a jerk that falls into a bed of acid. Um, So I, I do like the idea of, uh, you're you're running these missions, and perhaps if you if you're too aggressive in your pursuit, or you you take down an enemy in a wrong way, in the wrong industrial waste factory, uh, you could be creating the supervillain on your hands. Because it's always seemingly a mistake, right, when it happens. Yeah, <laughs> supervillains get created like the way that nine the '90s created cereals. They're like, "Oops, more chocolate gun in your cereal."
0: That's right. Yeah. So maybe there are these kind of like hazard areas like power plant or nuclear waste plants and stuff like that, that, uh, you know, just kind of exist throughout the city. They have to, but then you can, you know, you recognize that if criminal enterprises kind of encircle that as a part of their, you know, controlled land, then you have the ability to, they have the ability to create, you know, super, super powered heads of the family or, or soldiers or something like that.
1: I do like the idea, because, I mean, obviously, just maintaining balance, you're not going to feel like you've, you're have you beating the game. So maybe if there is a a narrative that can play out and, and managing the balance as part of it, that could be a way to handle that. But I do like the idea of the cups being expendable, because Gotham has, you know, over the course of its fiction... Many individuals, you know, who believe that they are going to be the person who you know, brings the city some monicum of order or justice or this, that, and the other thing. And so the idea of taking that, leveraging the fact that you know not only could could your police officer be defeated and or uh, can be killed, in which case you just have to start as a new officer. And maybe that officer needs to gain influence and redo all of its stuff. Mm. There's like that, how far can you take one officer sort of thread to it, but also the idea of the cop themselves in some way, you know, with enough bad actions, enough law breaking can themselves become, you know, a criminal overlord.
0: Is there the ability to either be like a good cop or a corrupt cop?
1: I think so. I, and I, I wonder if you do it explicitly you know, there's kind of the explicit Mass Effect design of I chose bad cop option. I chose red option in a dialogue tree. And then there's kind of systemic, right? Like GTA five wanted level. If you are seen as a cop doing something that uh, is illegal or pushes the boundary or, um, you know, interrogating an innocent person, then perhaps the way the public perceives you changes over time until eventually you see yourself more aligned with the villains than you do the cops. I do like the idea of each of the three factions in some way being maybe they're all playable kind of like Watch Dogs Legion style or there there's something appealing to all of them.
0: Yeah, so so you have these kind of like competing factions. There's the there's the police trying to maintain one type of order, there's the criminals almost trying to maintain a different type of order, and then maybe there is kind of the like one masked hero uh you know the batman stand-in in this case as police like it is almost kind of like a rock paper scissors in a way where the police are kind of well oh not quite a rock paper scissors more like a mexican stand-up where everyone is kind of like <laughs> pointing guns at each other everyone in a way uh so you know the the police have a like you really get to decide the relationship that you have with the batman you know like it's not it. necessarily because he is doing illegal things and he is probably causing more problems than he's solving. But at the same time, he can get you out of a pickle if there's a
1: super powered enemy that comes around. He's certainly causing a lot of property damage. We can agree with that. Yeah. yeah and, I, and I even like the idea, like if you set it up as like the police versus Falcone and like the organized crime mafia, that might be more bank robbery and, uh, you know, underground trading kind of an economy drain essentially on the city. And then the, uh, I hate to I- invoke the character, but the Joker-esque anarchist, uh, enemy faction, maybe the Arkham, uh, you know, mental patient faction or something like that, that, uh, are, you know, don't have an agenda other than violence. And so, you're, you're really trying to balance police corruption, um, you know, the city's economy and resources, because that, you know, could affect the funding of the police. Do you escalate against the Arkham patients and the, you know, the real severe criminals who, you know, just want to, to tear the whole thing down? And if you do start escalating, does that Uh, almost um, crackdown style, start to just level up all the factions and things, you know, get harder and harder.
0: And, you know, it's like in dealing with the Batman is kind of that factor as well. Like during times where you're just facing off against human mafias, he's more of a liability and you almost want to kind of like team up with the mafias to try to get him off the streets, you know, uh, to put him away. But when a super villain comes around, like you're going to, you're going to need him, but there's always this uneasy relationship, which is something that, you know, I don't I'm not sure a lot of media does a good job of like, they portray it, but they don't like make you feel it necessarily. So I think that's a interesting direction and a good place to end this one on. So let's uh, close it down. Let's give it a name.
1: Something about Gotham or the Dark City or something. Dark City's already a movie, isn't it? What do you think about this? Uh... It's a long title: Gotham colon crime mm-hmm. and punishment. Uh,
0: yeah, I think that uh, that invokes the idea of kind of Russian existentialism <laughs> that uh, seems very pertinent to this uh, this type of mood.
1: Yeah, and I do like the idea of uh, your your balancing between uh, letting crime flourish and and really punishing potentially yourself.
0: All right, let's uh, let's publish that or over to our community what do they have to say to us today we have a new community request coming in just in time thank you very much Chesney Mooncalf who says hi guys I hope this finds you both in good health uh, that is the case I can speak for at least myself and uh, yes. I know that Q is uh feeling better than he did a few weeks ago so um, I would like to pitch a true 3D pool game. While mini pool games can claim to be 3D, only the game world is in 3D. The game of pool is still two-dimensional. I'm imagining Whoa. a game where instead of playing on a table, you play in some kind of gravity-free chamber. Instead of staying with a triangle of balls, you have a pyramid. The only issue I haven't resolved is how to hit the cue ball. Ordinarily, you're doing this uh, while resting a hand on a pool table, but obviously this wouldn't be possible. Maybe use some sort of a bat or a paddle. It needs to be something that can still allow for the use of back or top spin. What do you think? Very cool. And we'll go ahead and start the clock.
1: Wow. the, the Even the idea of the paddle is is inventive in terms of handling the spin in 3D space. I wonder if I think there's... I played...
0: Uh, there was a game that... I've been a judge for the Seattle Indies Expo for the uh past I don't know how how for many years, probably four or five years at this point. And so I get to see, you know, a, a many, many of the entries as they're submitted. And uh one of the entries that I remember from last year, I believe, uh, or I guess it would have been the year before, uh, because I mean the yeah, the one that was not the most recent show that we had since everything's been kind of shut down this year. Um, but a couple of years ago there was a, a 3D golf game, uh, which was interesting it was kind of like a putt-putt miniature golf type of thing. And it, uh, a lot of it did kind of like you kind of shot in three dimensions and kind of like a floating through space type of, uh, feel, but you ended up going through kind of like a, almost like a hamster tube, uh system of, of tubes and stuff to, you know, give the, the core some directionality and challenge. But, um, yeah, it, it did kind of use like, uh, Almost like the systems of, uh, gosh, I want to think of a good example. I'm not able to at the moment, like angry birds, like where you kind of pull away from where you intend to shoot and then you release and it kind of flings in that direction,
1: which works pretty well for that purpose. That's actually exactly where, what I was thinking. I, my, my mind actually started thinking about those. Um, you've probably seen them that like, I think they're called air cannons, do you know what I'm talking about here? They they almost have... Yeah, they're kind of like
0: big barrels and you like pull back in a rubber band and it shoots like a puff of air.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I, I do like the idea of potentially using something that is like an air cannon, because if we're talking about true zero G, there's no friction. Potentially a gust of air could go a long way, but also you would almost get like FPS like control over, well, I'm not going to actually blow the air directly behind this cue ball, I'm I'm gonna blow it slightly to the left or whatever to create that spin and momentum uh, of heading in different directions. It doesn't quite handle the the way that a the way that a pool ball will have the type of spin that'll have the ball return to you. I think that would require just at the end of the day some level of friction. But I'm also thinking about you know we've been th- maybe assuming this is gonna happen in like space or air just air but I like the idea of having different playing fields that are in different sorts of liquids, like little gels and stuff.
0: Yeah. And you can, uh, there could be, you could either use your eyes to determine kind of the viscosity of the liquid, which is something that you would be kind of constantly trying to compensate for. You know, if you, if you believe that you're kind of like stuck in a jello, then you'd have to really kind of like hit that ball really hard every time that you want to send it even a little ways. But, uh, if you misjudge the viscosity, then all of a sudden you are way on the wrong end of the field.
1: I'm trying to think about what it was. It, there there was this, oh my gosh, here we go. I'm oh, sorry, I found this. I'm gonna send you this link so we can discuss this direction of it. But there was this old Star Wars toy, and the old Star Wars toy essentially allowed you to set up a space battle scene. With TIE fighters, X-Wings, the Millennium Falcon, the whole thing, and even little lasers. And they gave you this kind of liquid, and I assume a gelatin packet or something, and you would slowly place in and arrange the fingers at a certain level of viscosity, and then slowly it would freeze, and you'd have your own homemade diorama of uh, of whatever configuration of battle you like. If you want the Millennium Falcon uh, getting its uh, butt kicked by a bunch of TIE fighters, you could set that up. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I like the idea of if you could do this in an aquarium type of world, maybe the idea of there's pockets of different levels of viscosity that have an effect on how well uh, you can move the ball or hit the balls through space. And of course now, instead of just quarter pockets, we can have, true, true corners. Like all four corners of the room are the pockets. And you can also have like sidewalls and stuff as, as pockets.
0: Yeah. Or kind of like big circular rooms, kind of like Mario galaxy when you're on the inside of a planet and you can kind of really see all around you and you have to take a look around, find the best angle of approach to <laughs> yeah. hit the ball.
1: Yeah. That's, that's kind of where my head's at. I, I like the idea of using the, the space, but also the, this would be so cool, Chesney, if if you hadn't mentioned it here, VR for this, right? Like, gosh, what was that VR game where you're playing the robot in space on that space station? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's an Oculus game. Are you talking about Lone Echo? Lone Echo, yeah, that's exactly it. And I know Lone Echo had its own kind of Frisbee-esque multiplayer to it, but I do like the idea of if you put this in a 3D space potentially you know 10xing the size of all the pool balls and you having to actually grab onto handles and surfaces and you can't touch any of the balls in the play space any of the 3D pool balls but you can position your body and actually you know hit the cue ball in in any direction in 3D space
0: you know i think also back to uh, mario odyssey there's a uh there's levels where you are kind of like in a bubble and then you can position this kind of, this thing that like blows wind in a certain direction, kind of anywhere around it, which feels also kind of like an appropriate, uh, you know, a way to, uh, to take this direction, kind of make it like an orbiting thing that you can kind
1: of freely position. I think we would be remiss if we didn't try and come up with what the perfect, control that allows for both directional spin, uh, hitting the balls in, in directions to is the air cannon right there. I'm trying to think about how to do like that after spin that Chesney talks about here.
0: What would be neat is for this to be kind of like a VR type of thing, even AR, but that's not quite as good, but where you could like really position your body anywhere around this kind of, you know, it could be kind of the size of an actual pool ball. And then you have to take your VR controller and kind of like fire it like a gun to send it blasting off in one direction. But It's all based on like where you position your real
1: Bonnie. self, you know, got it. Yeah. And I, I mean, we could even, uh, if we're androids or something, uh, extend a little tray out from our chest. So we do actually have a, uh, a surface to kind of balance ourselves on, but you can, you know, obviously depending on the position of your body, you can still attack it from any angle, but you get that pool, like feeling. I'm just wondering if if this if 3D pool has that same feeling of like when you see the 3D chessboard from Star Trek and you're like, "Oh whoa, that looks like a an alien version of chess."
0: Yeah, I'd imagine, you know, if you keep kind of the same color scheme and stuff like that, then uh it should be pretty recognizable. You have kind of the same goals and stuff. Um one of the uh one of the things this reminds me of. I've always thought about, you know, I've done a lot of concepting on like Smash Bros type of you know fun like characters and stages and stuff that I would love to add to the game, and one of the things I keep coming back to is like I would love a stage that takes place kind of inside of a pokeball as it as it rolls down a hill, and there's that one kind of like that one point, kind of the nipple of the pokeball, if you will, yeah uh, that is like the exit point, and that would be the only kind of like you know hurt zone in the entire kind of stage show. So as it kind of rolls around, you would have to both avoid it and try to knock your enemies into it. Um, as it kind of goes on this, like log roll, almost type of, uh, exercise. So, you know, this, uh, this point of, um, the hurt box, this, uh, this point of defeat is constantly changing and moving. You have to keep your eye on it while also trying to keep track of where your opponents are. So we don't even have to really keep the pockets stationary. You know, there's room for them to move around or room for them to multiply or, uh or kind of contract together.
1: Uh, if, if you had that Pokeball set up, I love the idea of also <laughs> if you, if you made the whole ball itself, let's say, you know, opaque, but you had just a little translucency. Mm -hmm. If the world was moving around and stuff, you could actually have the ball go off of jumps or hit bumps. And if you did that, you could get your matrix like moment of two people who have grabbed themselves, uh, in midair and are, and are free floating, um, suspended in the middle of this ball for a moment. It would be pretty exciting.
0: Uh, we've, uh, we've gone over time on that one. Let's give it a
1: name. 3D pool's too easy. What can we do better than 3D pool? Space pool. <laughs> billiards, billiards, billiards. What is... I know billiards is a type of pool. but Or pool is a type of billiards. What's it called? It's called like a pool hall? Where you play pool? Is that where you play pool? Not yeah. a hall? Uh-huh. I wonder if this is like pool hangar or... Pool hell. Almost <laughs> like a bullet hell or billiard hell. I think that would be cool if we made the final a final twist on this, which is there is no taking turns. Both players can go simultaneously, but the second that you get a ball of one type in, you just got to get the rest of that type in before the other player.
0: That's kind of fun. That's kind of frantic, like a Mario party kind of way. Does that bring us closer to a name?
1: (laughs) I mean, then pool hell actually works pretty good to me. Let's go with that.
0: Thank you very much. Chesney Mooncalf, uh, as always for sending that in. And if you have a uh, video game idea that you would like to have discussed on the show, then you can submit it to playwrightcast.com slash pitch. You can email us playwrightcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at playwrightcast.
1: Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World, of the album Blue Noise. And while you're listening to things, why not go listen along with me to that episode of I have no mouth and I must scream of cane and rinse or the sausage factory with interviews with game developers or sound of play. Put that on in your car, go for a road trip. You're going to be in some combination of Japanese, French and American heaven.
0: All right. We're going to uh, close out the show today with a redacted game. This is uh... Well, let's get right into it. I'm going to be pitching this one today. So second generation redacted physics provide more in-air and redacted user control. Compete in the world redacted, go head to head in the unique redacted versions of nine redacted on the redacted, or just kick it in free redacted. New redacted and redacted courses let you get more redacted and catch more redacted while all the original redacted have some new surprises
1: the way you're discussing this i'm getting I'm getting remake remaster vibes all over it it's 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 giving me the there was original content, and we've got that in there. We've also added a bunch of stuff in there that you're gonna love okay, yeah, and you're talking about being in the air, so maybe there's flight of some kind okay, my first guess is. I wonder how lucky I am. My first guess is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two. That is not correct. Sorry. I was thinking about tricking in the air and and but I guess there's not in only nine courses or levels or whatever between the two between the two games. Probably any one of them probably would be around nine though. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right there. Um, oh, maybe that's a hint. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> I could just be giving you. <laughs> If it was that helpful of a hint, I probably wouldn't have said it straight out
1: <laughs> fair enough could i could I get some uh some some piece of metadata about this thing
0: yes, um, I think i'm gonna let's see if i try to figure out what's going to be helpful at this point without being too helpful because there's more. There's better information I can give you later on. Got it. Yes. All right. um, I'll give you a 10 review and a zero review.
1: (laughs) Okay. This this Uh, is my favorite kind of...
0: 10 review says, not only is this game the best redacted game, but it's actually a classic game in gaming overall. This game is pure fun. You need to own it. You need to own this game if you still use your Redacted. Oh. And let's see. Let me try to redact this uh, Zero review in real time. Let me do a quick pre-read here to make sure I'm not giving anything away. This game is pure crap, which is topped (laughs) with dumb celebrity voiceovers, (gasps) overuse for Redacted, and bad camera angles. The speed of Redacted is slowed down, and the Redacted are boiled down to empty reruns and lame new redacted oh. the characters are so bland the redacted mode is bad mainly cuz of the redacted uh get another one in the series it's a major improvement so we have a 0 and a 10
1: uh, that's interesting so celebrities are involved in this in some way in some way. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think now if I could even describe to you a video game that is like potentially even known for having uh, celebrities in it. Okay. So there was original, there's something in the original. The game is still fun to play. Even uh, if I've got something hanging around, which makes me think handheld, but maybe I'm, I'm off there. And then celebrity VOs or something like that. I don't know if I would have found that
0: clue helpful based on what I know about the title. And I I have played it before, so okay, it's it. not something that stood out to me necessarily.
1: Um, The second guess is broad, but I, I'm trying to narrow myself in. Is this a Gex game? It's not a Gex
0: game, but uh, interesting choice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you son of a beast, Stank. Oh, okay. All right. Read me that description one more time.
0: Second generation redacted physics provide more in-air and redacted user control. Compete in the world redacted, go head-to-head in the unique redacted versions of nine redacted on the redacted, or just kick it in free redacted. New redacted and redacted courses let you get more redacted and catch more redacted while all the original redacted have some new surprises. Oh, my god. Yeah, I can totally get how you're getting gex out of
1: that. (laughs) (laughs) Second generation physics. And physics and catching... Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Is this... Ooh. Maybe this is a sports. Although, the nine original somethings. I'm catching something. This is potentially... Right. Would you at least tell me if this is a remake slash remaster of some sort?
0: This is not a remake or a remaster. This is a straight on sequel.
1: Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, so it has to be a sequel if it's not that.
0: But uh, plenty of other metadata available to you if you, uh, if you need it.
1: Yeah, give me one more thread and then I'm willing to, to put my money where my mouth is.
0: All right. Um, this is uh, it's kind of surprising, actually. It has a meta score, a critic score of 92. Holy cannoli! score of 8.8. 8. This is a fantastic game. <laughs> Apparently. I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I used to play this. I uh, <laughs> but I did not have as fond of memories as a 92 would lead me to expect. Not that I disliked it. It was just kind of like, oh, you know, it's fun. It's just, I, I wasn't expecting a 92 when I saw one.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, we had lower standards back then, didn't we? <laughs> um, okay. It's a sequel. It's a sequel that maybe in some way contains uh, contains something or something similar to the original. There (laughs) might celebrities might be jangling around in it in some way. Physics are strong enough to lead with. Oh my gosh! Come on, Rye! Come on! Do you want any? Could you give me a rough? Yeah, yeah. Give me a rough time or year.
0: Okay, this came out in the year
1: two thousand one. Oh, what was cool about physics in 2001? This is, now we're (laughs) in Xbox slash PS2. And was GameCube yet or was GameCube 03?
0: Yeah, GameCube is pretty new at this time.
1: Oh, uh, I'm just going to take one last guess. Here we go. Is this a... (laughs) a crash bandicoot game like 3 potentially
0: good guess but not crash bandicoot 3 i'm sorry <laughs> uh, uh, tell me well i'll uh kind of dance around it a little bit <laughs> and uh and tell you that this speech is my recital i think it's very vital to rock a rhyme that's right on time uh, it's tricky oh, is the no. title here we go now it's <laughs> tricky to rock a rhyme to rock a rhyme that's right on time is tricky Ah, uh, physics. Physics. Was it. This was the you're pretty <laughs> close to the beginning there. My gosh. To Tony Hawk. But uh, yes, SSX Tricky. The second generation of rider physics provide more in-air and on-snow user control. Compete in the world circuit, go head to head in unique show-off trick versions of nine courses on the world circuit or just kick it in free ride. New Garibaldi and Alaska choruses (laughs) let you get more vertical and catch more air while the original choruses have some new surprises.
1: I assumed it was, I, I was onto something with that sports game, but then I, when I started thinking through what sport might even have anything celebrity wise, but I guess that was during the era where, uh, it was EA, right? That was just like doing a lot of radio jockey BS all over the place.
0: Apparently, from what I'm reading here, it sounds like Lucy Liu did one of the voices for <laughs> yeah, at least one of the characters.
1: Um, yes, there's also the, um, let's describe the the cover as containing potentially an impossibly uh, breasted woman. Uh, <laughs> let's say, doesn't feel impossibly proportioned, just no. like
0: ridiculously supported I would say. <laughs>
1: exactly yeah her uh they're they're almost in her throat almost vertical <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. oh my goodness yeah i loved ssx tricky i should have i should have been able to guess that that was a good one i <laughs> well, recently anyways, went back and played that uh that ssx 360 game that threw oh back yeah know,
0: it's i think it's on game pass isn't
1: it it is i, yeah. I might
0: even have it downloaded
1: still good but, uh
0: yeah i that one did also like once you started getting into a flow with your tricks, it, it broke into the D, uh, run DMC song. So it <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of, uh, never lost that little bit of its personality, which is, which is nice. Anyways, that's it for our show today. Thank you all very much for listening in. And we'll, uh, we'll hear if, if Ryan can stump me again next week, <laughs> uh, we gotta, we gotta break a combo of losses here. I think, um, I think we're, uh, we're two down now. So let's, uh, Let's we can pick it can back do. up, but
1: not, not too easy. Then it won't be satisfying. No,
0: no. We got to make it difficult and really accomplish something. I like it. Anyways, we'll catch you again next week.
1: Bye.